and welcome to Scratch. I'm Kyle Evans from Echo Bloom. In 2022, I published a new episode of Scratch every two weeks. Each episode documented the birth of a new Echo Bloom song, most of which were written in an hour. I call them hour songs. And after one year and 26 episodes, really 26 songs, the first season of Scratch is done. And there are a lot of late nights, early mornings, and lessons learned along the way. I'll be back in late February to start the second season of Scratch, but before that, I wanted to reflect on the last year with one of the key collaborators of the project. My name is Mike Tierney. I'm an audio engineer and producer uh, based in Brooklyn. Kyle and I go back quite a ways, and uh, I've been mixing all of the uh, Scratch podcast songs as they come through. We're getting three songs in at a time, and we'll just spend one day, the two of us, mixing the three songs. And that's the next month's worth of uh, podcast mixes. And that's sort of the progress and the pace that we work at. I wanted to start by talking about that pace. I had a sculpture teacher in college that told this story, and I've repeated it so many times that I don't know if it's apocryphal at this point or not. But basically, there are two sections of a sculpture class, and they're learning how to throw pots. The stated goal at the end of the semester is to be able to make good pots, but the approach for achieving that goal is different in each section of the class. In one section, they are told that they will be judged on quality. At the end of the semester, they will be graded on the quality of two pots. In the other section, they are told that they will be judged on quantity. And at the end of their semester, grades will be based on the number of pots they create, regardless of their quality. And the way the story goes is that, to a person, each sculptor in the class that focused on quantity ended up creating dozens of pots at a greater level of quality than the class that focused just on perfection. The idea of Scratch and our songs is based on that. And I know how that pace affected my songwriting. It forced me into places that I wouldn't have arrived at if given unlimited time. But I was curious to hear from Mike how that affected the process from a more technical side. We would try to mix three songs a day for every sort of like batch that we had. One of the novel things about that to me is like, you know, usually I'll try for like one and a little bit of a song a day uh, is my like typical like finished song pace. But also recognizing that these are like mostly not finished songs. So it's it was definitely different in the in the sense that it had sort of like a different end goal and was like given to me in a different state than usually usual if I'm like mixing a song that's gonna be on a record. Those might be like seventy tracks and like we got like stacks of background vocals and the drums were recorded at this studio and this and that. And this is sort of like here's this sketch, we're going to like add like a quick fade at the end and like this, you know, by design, like a little bit more rough around the edges, but that is kind of the only thing that made, the only way that mixing three songs in a day would have been possible for me. <laughs> so those two sort of like aided each other, I suppose. And then I think because of the pace and because of the nature of it, it made the very differently arranged ones kind of like stand out a little more. Like, uh, like Philip. I dreamed of Philip standing in the sand, silhouetted by the emerald water. Being like a, a wild departure from all the others, even, you know, like the electronic ones were sort of a departure from what I'm used to 
hearing from you in general. But then, like, that was, like, another departure, being, like, entirely a cappella. Does the power die? Does it stay inside? Does it merge into the Florida aquifer? Take another name. Take another face. And find its way into another morning. Listening back to these songs, I can look at them through a series of lenses, and there are a few I want to talk about. One lens is the amount of risk associated with this song. And here's how I think about risk. All artists have safe places. These are these geographic centers of their creative worlds near which they feel comfort and familiarity. And risk is a measurement of the distance from that geographic center. For me, it's often about how I start songs. A common starting point for me is a melody and chord changes that I've written on an acoustic instrument. And then I write lyrics, and then I hang other instruments on top of it. And that's why there's often an acoustic guitar at the base of so many of my songs. But some of the songs from the last year that I felt are the most successful are ones where I've taken a completely different approach. For example, the song Someone. This song didn't start with any traditional instruments. I started by looping that weird percussive sample at the beginning, and I wrote a bass line on top of it, and basically figured out the entire arrangement before writing a single lyric, and it turned into one of my favorites from the last year. The lesson I learned from this is that you need to take risks in your process. Paint yourself into a corner and see how you can get out. That kind of risk, that kind of vulnerability, changes the boundaries of the canvas you have to paint on, and it forces you to be more creative. It's harder, but it's way more fun. Someone. Another lens to look at these songs through is lyrics. In some of my earlier work, I'd spend a huge amount of time crafting lyrics. Seriously, sometimes weeks. And while I don't think that time was poorly spent, reflecting back on the last year, I might be a little more strategic about when I choose to double or triple down on a song's lyric. And there are a few lessons here that I want to tease apart. First, more time doesn't necessarily mean better lyrics. I was never, and I'm using air quotes here, artistic when I write lyrics. I never depended on any kind of muse. Lyrics were always something to be intellectualized and, with enough time, wrestled to the ground and conquered. 
But with our songs, you can't do that because you just don't have the time. In the end, I didn't find the lyrics that resulted from these songs, which were written so quickly, to be much worse than those that were more painstakingly crafted. And this leads me to the second lesson. Lyric writing is a form of collaboration with your audience, and you have to create a space for the listener to feel ambiguity and create their own story. Writing quickly can allow you to create that space more easily, to point. While I was writing the song Muscle Shoals, there were sections in the verses where I couldn't figure out how to weave a part of the story into the verse in a way that fit with a rhyme scheme. So to finish in an hour, I just put other lines in that rhymed well and were linked to the topic of the song in different ways. That approach created verses like this. If I'd had an endless amount of time, I would have shoehorned that last line into a part of the story and the song would have been worse for it. Finally, lesson three. The lyrics have to be a counterpoint to the music. If the music is more elaborate, more detailed lyrics can be overwhelming or just not heard. But the flip side is that if the music is more spare, lyrics will be heard. And any time spent filling that space with something more specific and beautiful will be good time. I'll close this section with one of my favorite lyrics I've ever written, which came from the last year, something that took literally 45 seconds. We all need an hour to be somebody else. I believe that when I'm gone, it won't amount to much of anything. And I also have like absolutely no, uh, you know, loyalty to any of these, which is one of like, I think kind of the, the great things about doing a whole bunch about of the these songs. really quickly. Yeah. I mean, it's nice to be able to like say at the end of something like this, like, I think this is a piece of garbage. Yeah. <laughs> and having, yeah, like there are a lot of people that if they asked me to do this, I would be treading a lot lighter than I am about to be treading. Uh, I don't know if I should be like mentioning this to listeners that like, you gave things a one through four, one being the best, four being the worst. And then I went ahead and just like did the same for myself quickly. Ah, the reckoning. One of the many things I admire about Mike is his ability to be bluntly honest. And one of the things I like most about our songs is that because every song is like a first draft, I don't feel as attached to them. Trashing a song someone spent months on would be significantly more disheartening. But for our songs, Mike's brand of honesty is perfect. The most interesting thing about the ratings to me were songs where we disagreed. I gave Sunburned Town a three instead of a two. And you, you had marked that as, like, definitely worth working on. And I was like, eh. That one I was like, ah, yes. Another song about a hometown.
the widest difference was uh, Siren. I was surprised that you gave that a three. Yeah, I feel like the um, the melody and the words for that are um, very much an afterthought. I mm -hmm. think the production totally overpowers the, the lyrical world. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's the thing is I was like, is this one just like too much my vibe? And that's why I like favor it so much. But yeah, I mean, like the production is really great and it's really uh, kind of like well-developed and uh, you know, that one feels like very close to a done song uh, compared to some of them. There's also a few really specific holes in that one. Like there's basically this spot where it's like, cool, this is a spot for an instrumental and there's no instrumental. <laughs> Everything just kind of continues pounding away in the background, which is like fine. It's its yeah. own vibe. <laughs> I can really see where something like that could go, and it's super not there in its current. Yeah, form. yeah, totally. So maybe that's part <laughs> of it too. After we parsed through all the ratings, the songs fell into three categories. One, definitely for a record, two, maybe for a record, and three, not for a record. And the next step, which is already underway, is to take the definitely's and the maybes and rehearse them with the band. Continue to craft and mold them into something, and then take the best of those and make a record out of it. My dream is to make a yearly edition of our songs that makes the idea of a yearly album less like a novel and more like a magazine. I'm excited to see how it goes. I'm going to leave it to Mike for the final words. Like in terms of closing thoughts from there, I think it's just going well, which I think is really cool. It's really good. Where can people find out more about your uh, work? Oh. I don't know. Do people want to find out about my work? <laughs> I want I want people to find out about your work. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's see. You can find me and my work on the internet, wherever you might find people and their works. Uh, usually at Mike Tierney Music, T-I-E-R-N-E-Y, Music, Music. Uh, that's my website. That's my Instagram. That's my Facebook. I'm around. And, uh, you know, I try to keep posted about some of the recent happenings in my world of music and magic making. Bitter run where you 
still can. I've got a few thank yous to give. First, thanks to Mike for joining me on this journey and always striking the right tone between encouragement and criticism. Second, thanks to my family for putting up with the weird hours and near constant noise, though they're mostly used to it by now. And especially, thanks to everyone for listening. And for everyone that's written in words of encouragement over the last year, they mean more to me than you can possibly know. I'll be back soon with season two, and until then, remember that the best thing you could possibly do for you is to write something of your own. Doodle on a cocktail napkin, sing in the shower, just create and enjoy. Thank you so much for listening. Is the last chance out of the book.